Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. David Walker works in insurance at Country Financial in Spokane, Washington. He is also a real estate investor with a story to share. Hi, David. Hey, Nick. <laughs> I'm good. I'm trying to make you as uncomfortable as I can. I'm like, I, is I, it I'm working? Fine. Yeah, I'm in sales, so it's... You know, oh, okay. Yeah. Should we do a handshake? Sure. Good to see you again. Good to see you again <clears throat> as well. It's been a while. Yeah, it's since been... uh, last Thursday. Gosh, I know. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. So, tell me all about David, if you don't mind. Okay. And could you start at conception? Okay. Uh, first seven years in California, Southern California. Uh, when I was seven, parents moved up uh, to Boise, Idaho. Okay. Um, lived there in Boise Eagle, Idaho area. Uh, lived there until I was uh, 17. Um, Dad told me you need to go to college, which I kind of already knew, but he really pushed me to go out of state. Um, so I ended up uh, going to Eastern Washington uh, University in Cheney. And um, yeah, moved up to Cheney when I was 17 and uh, dub- ended up double majoring in business, marketing and management from Eastern in 2010. Kind of bounced around the state a little bit, uh, and then ended up back in uh, Spokane in 2017. So, um, all right, yeah. great interview. Thank yeah. you. You're <laughs> no, welcome. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. All right, bye. Thank you. No. <laughs> all right. So David Walker, you're with uh, Country Financial. Yep. You are an investor yourself. I am. So you uh, you walk the talk. It's not just in your last name. That's right. Yep. Um, Good joke. Tell me about real estate. What got you interested in real estate? What was your first transaction like? Sure. Um, so actually, I kind of stumbled into real estate, happen chance, um, back in uh, 2011 when I was um, uh, basically kind of had an established job at the time, which is totally unrelated to what I do now. But I was living in the Tri Cities, and I thought, um, you know, it's time to buy a house. I wanted to take that next step in life. So throughout that journey of um, looking uh, into properties, that sort of thing, I, I just I really didn't know where I wanted to end up long term. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, you know, what if uh, worst case scenario, I lose my job and my spouse loses uh, her job at the same time? What would we do? And I was just basically playing. Um, I was coming at it from a scarcity mentality. I've kind of always been in that mentality since uh, since I graduated college. Yeah. I've always been like, you know, somebody's trying to work 24 hours a day uh, to take away what I have, so I have to work harder than them. That kind of thing. So, anyways, I kind of just stumbled onto the fact: why don't I rent out a room? And then that dovetailed into: well, why don't I just buy a multifamily place? I had never uh, considered real estate investment. I had no knowledge. I just thought it was a great idea. So this is an I, idea that you just came up with. I just you came up with it on my own in a book. You didn't never go to a seminar. A book. Exactly. Yeah. It just came to you naturally. Yeah, and I thought Basic I was just the sharpest tool in the shed, you know. And uh, come to realize that there's a whole community that does does this that I found yeah. out years later. It is pretty um, pretty brilliant just to come up with it on your own, though. Right. Got, got to admit. I, I was just thinking, like, worst case scenario, it's, you know, the mortgage is supplemented by somebody else. Mm-hmm. We live in one side. And throughout that process, we ended up um, buying a duplex, and we lived in one side, you know, for five years and uh, rented out that other side. And um, that's, that fast forwards from 2012 to 2017, and that really set us up. Go ahead. So, um, sorry, could, could you elaborate on what that buying process was like? Did you use an agent? How much did you pay? What was the mortgage? Used an agent. What did you get? Yep, used an agent. Um, uh, the 
purchase price was, I believe it was 154, 149, somewhere in that range. Uh, we did FHA, so three and a half percent down. Nice. Had PMI. My mortgage, I think, was 960 all in. Um, and when we um, bought the property, um, the tenant was paying 650. Uh, okay. Her side was 650. At the time. Um, yeah, at the time. And to be honest with you, I'll just squash that right away. We never ended up. I think I raised it to like 675 or 700 by the time I left. Again. No real um, strong background in uh, in real estate. I just thought this was a great idea. Um, so she was also on a fixed income too, and she was she had been there before you go any further. She had been there since 1990. Oh, okay. So so you inherited this tenant when yes. you bought the house? Yeah, in 2012. Okay. She had, she moved in in 1990. Wow. So she could have bought the place like two or three times over uh -huh. with her. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I didn't really raise it. She was so she was just this little old lady with a chihuahua. She's very clean, very quiet. Um, and I didn't want to rock the boat too much. And I was naive um, also. I just didn't know how the process really worked. I wasn't working with a property manager or anything mm -hmm. like that. I could have gone out and done the research, but I just, yeah, it just wasn't the right time for me. So um, so anyways, did that for a long time. Uh, 2017, uh, we saved up enough funds o over the course of that whole time to uh, put a very large down payment on a, a nice house for our age, at least I think so. Um, and uh, uh, moved to Spokane. And uh, we held on to the property in Tri-Cities for about six months, so we ran out the other side, six, eight months, something like that. And then I found out, you know, I did the research and, and figured out how to do a 1031 exchange. Okay. What made you want to sell that house? I didn't like being long distance. Okay. Um, so you wanted to self-manage? Yeah. Um, yes, but more than self-manage, I just wanted to be able to see it whenever I wanted. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a security thing. I don't know. I could have easily tasked a property manager with being able to you know, send me photos every six months or whatever the case, but I wanted something closer Yeah. Um, that okay. I was going to be able to visit long term. I wasn't, I didn't have any plans to move back to Tri-Cities and um, there was an opportunity here in Spokane Valley to, to purchase something um, and, and so I did the 1031 exchange uh, deal and got into a fantastic property. So um, I can give you the details on that one too. Yeah, please. Too. Um, so that one was, uh, it's, it's right across this, uh, from the mall, Spokane Valley Mall. Okay. Uh, nice. Rental row, right on Mission. Okay. Um, purchase price was two twenty five. It was rented for nineteen fifty, um, but rents were low. Mm -hmm. I bought that in March of eighteen, and now it's currently bringing in um, twenty five twenty five, um, and again my purchase price was you know two twenty five. So, um, so it's it's been. So what do you mean by that? Pretty it's currently bringing in twenty five twenty five. Uh, two thousand five hundred twenty five. Uh, total combined is what is what it's bringing in. Okay. Um, so gross rents, I guess, is how okay. you say it. So you're getting um, the, at least more than one percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. On it. Yep. And um, do, so did you make some money on the first duplex that you sold? I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. About. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. We can leave it at that. Okay. Unless unless you want to get into it. Um, so we put it in Tri Cities. It was a very hot. Okay. Very hot market. We uh, we bought it for one forty nine, and five years later we put it up. I want to say we put it up for 210. Um, we got multiple. Uh, no, it was like 195. Anyways, we ended up three days into it. We got an offer for I think 215, mm -hmm. and through negotiations, we ended up at 210. So we had some some money, you know, okay, to, to roll into the new property. Yeah, and, and um, so that was stellar. So so yeah. So that's kind of my story on that. Okay. So you, the first. So just to re uh, the the first house you go to buy, mm -hmm. um, 
you you put a little bit of money down mm-hmm. FHA mm-hmm. you need three what about five grand or so yeah it was like with that purchase price at the time. or six something something right in that ballpark yeah so about five thousand and then all of a sudden your mortgage is um, after the tenants paying her portion what four hundred mm-hmm. bucks yeah so we you could think about it that way we didn't do it that way okay. so so we um, uh, my spouse and I paid the mortgage every month I mean it was nine hundred bucks it was you know four fifty yeah. each ish and we just banked her money in a savings account okay. um, every month. Uh, through the course of time, we ca- we ended up um, accumulating about $10,000. Okay. And I thought, well, and this this is going to dovetail into another story, if, you, if you're cool with it, but um, for the Dave Ramsey listeners out there, I don't uh-huh. want to copyright infringe or anything like that, but uh, um, I was very much listening to him around the 2012 um, mark. I discovered him on the radio. I had student loans. I graduated in 2010, so I had a bunch of student loans. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, basically, I found an avenue um, uh, for paying off debt. And throughout this course, my tenant, we were just saving their money. And I contacted one of what's now, it's, it goes by a different name now, but it's called the Endorsed Local Provider. It used to be, at least, yeah, yeah. for investing. I ended up meeting with uh, a Dave Ramsey uh, person, mm-hmm. air fingers quote, um, uh, in Tri Cities, and we had you know ten grand, and we wanted to figure out you know should we invest this, should we start doing something, um, and uh, anyways that dovetailed in my second night and weekend job, um, uh, which I got fully licensed in in life insurance and mutual funds, and I started uh, basically working on the the Dave Ramsey um, uh, program uh, oh, okay. f- for people in Tri Cities, so people will contact through the website or or call in, and um, we were the endorsed local providers for the area of Tri Cities, so. Um, that story aside, um, I did uh, start my own debt snowball, if you will, getting out of debt, at mm-hmm. least consumer debt. Um, I started in uh, May of 2013, and I finished in May of 2015, 48,000 student loans gone um, through, and that was through various uh, different activities, but mainly main breadwinners were uh, my, my income from my job, and then I really got into eBay. I was an eBay top-rated seller. Ooh. And then the question prompts, well, what did you sell? Uh, mostly it was cell phones. Okay. Um, cell phones, brand new cell phones. I made contacts with uh, Verizon, AT&T. I combed Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. Um, back in the day, they used to have a, uh, um, you know, you upgrade your iPhone and, you know, the entry price is one ninety nine. Well, Well, what a lot of families would do is, let's say they had two or three kids and everybody's got a cell phone. Dad would go in and upgrade all the lines for $199. And he would sell them on Craigslist because gotcha. he just wants the cash. Yeah. I'd come in and buy them, and then I would then sell them on eBay. And, and uh, i just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. Um, and that helped me to pay off all my student loans. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So y- you had your hands on a lot of different pots. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, entrepreneur, breakneck speed, whatever you, you want to call it. I, I just uh, – lots of moving pieces, lots of projects. Um motivation self-motivated um i also you know tend to listen to you know books and podcasts and talk radio and all that kind of stuff that keeps me up to date with current events i'm certainly no expert but um Mm -hmm. that motivation going in your ear even if it's 20 minutes a day really does set you apart from a lot of other people who um don't do that i guess okay yeah are you still doing anything on ebay i'm not no um ebay uh was it was um it was a very good process for me at the time, given the way uh, specifically cell phone plans had been set up 
uh, back then. Mm -hmm. They don't honor or have those kinds of contracts when you go in and buy a cell phone anymore. So when, when the cell phone companies changed over, they kind of killed my business, yeah. if you will. Um, but I also did uh, paintings too. Thomas Kincaid happens to be one of them that I um, uh, really latched on to. So I'll give you just one small example of that. Yeah, um, there were the, my parents, I grew up in a household where my parents had these kind of paintings. So Thomas Kincaid was very natural for me to be able to recognize uh, what that painting looked like. Um, you know, and, and plus they're beautiful and I just like looking at them. So that also helped. Um, but uh, one example is I just got the idea in my head one day that I would start looking into these things and I found... Um, I found a garage sale going on and somebody was moving and they had a painting on there for 300 bucks. And I was like, sweet. I went and picked it up. Uh, it took me five days and I sold it for $1,200 on eBay. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And then from there on, it was just rinse and repeat. And now yep. I'm giving everybody my secrets, but um, you know, I want to uh, share that as well. So, um, so yeah, so it was uh, for a young kid, it was uh, or a young person, it was good money, you mm -hmm. know, and it wasn't, um, uh, nobody was in charge of me but myself. So that really um, helped to juice my entrepreneur uh, spirit, entrepreneur spirit, and yeah. and create more self-motivation on here's what I can create with my time and my own creativity, um, that kind of thing. So, right now. Yeah. Do you have any more real estate plans from here on out? I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very fluid. I mean, I have plans, but they seem to change with life changes. I think that can apply to pretty much everybody too. But yep. Um, I'm currently looking for, um, you know, partnerships, uh, multifamily. I, I guess I might have to move into single family. I do find it hard in our area to find anything that even gets the 1%. Um, and that's just through my own research and, and uh, that sort of thing. So I've thought about moving outside uh, of the state. Um, but again, my whole process with not being able to drive by and look at those properties um, is kind of tough for me to swallow. Um, but I am actively looking, so uh, okay. I'm using the power of HELOCs too. For there those people out there who haven't uh, looked into what you can do with those, um, I've got a strong referral and strong recommendation. I won't mention them here, but um, you can. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the bank would allow it me to. Or Andrew. To. Andrew Waltner. Who cares? Uh, BECU. This isn't. Like, um, he's fantastic. This isn't the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, we're not smoking <laughs> weed, are we? <laughs> BECU is not listening in. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, the real estate world is just fantastic. You know, there's, um, I did, uh, I haven't even mentioned it. Well, did. let me, hold on. Let's back yeah. up. Let's talk about HELOCs. If you yeah, don't let's mind. do it. Um, because yeah. I, I think, um, I think it's worth noting that um, in this kind of climate, a lot of people assume that they need to refinance their home to pull the cash out. Yeah. But when you refinance a house, you're starting, you're starting your loan over amortization schedule start, starts over starting it over yep. we're, here we go another 30 years yep and there's a lot of fees involved mm -hmm. um and there's an easier way to do it you just you go to a local bank or a credit union um or a guy named andrew and <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna love that um and you can get sometimes up to if it's your personal residence 95 percent mm -hmm. um of whatever uh so whatever your loan to value is if your house is let's say you owe two hundred thousand, but your house uh, you've owned it for three years now, and this market is insane, and it's worth three hundred grand. Um, so you can get ninety, whatever ninety-five percent of three hundred thousand is. Mm -hmm. Take that number and then subtract your two hundred thousand, and they can loan you on that amount. Um, and you know that that's going to be a bigger loan 
you're, you're going to be able to pull more cash out that way than if you go to sell your house. Because if you go to sell your house, you're going to have like 7% in real estate commissions mm-hmm. or not commissions, but uh, commissions combined with other closing costs with the title company and mm-hmm. escrow fees and title insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to refinance, you're not going to, you can get maybe 80% of your sure. loan to value total. Mm-hmm. So HELOC's a great way to go because, and, and you don't have to get charged on the money immediately. Mm-hmm. You can get your line of credit and then whenever you actually go to use it, then you're getting charged mm-hmm. interest. And you can always pay it back, and it's like a it's like a secured credit card. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So if you have a sixty thousand dollar secured credit card, that's not, um, of course, you can't get you know airline miles and, and whatever. But nobody ever really got rich off airline miles, as far as I know. Um, you've got this this account sitting there, and yes, of course, if the market had a huge downturn, the bank could could potentially put a uh, freeze on on their assets. Sure. Um, I don't, you'd have to talk to somebody in that world, but that's my understanding. Um, but it is very nice, like for instance, in the world I am uh, right now, or the current market environment, I've got this large amount uh, available in a HELOC, and I'm just sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. I'm just and waiting. And it's not costing you anything, right? It's not costing me a dang thing. Yeah. There is an opportunity cost, but I'd rather buy nothing than buy something that isn't a good purchase, mm-hmm. right, and pay for it later. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of sitting there waiting uh, for the right opportunity, whether that be real estate or a partnership in real estate or buy a business or do a hard money loan using my HELOC. I don't, you know, the world's endless. I have access to that money. Yeah. And- well, my, my mom actually got a HELOC on her house and um, I believe through Andrew. Mm. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's using it to invest um, with, uh, myself and and my brother sure. okay. on projects, and she's going to make a much higher return, mm-hmm. when and it's going to be more than pay for the fees that it costs. So it's basically, it's basically free investment funds that she gets to use mm-hmm. to make her extra money, mm-hmm. based off the equity in her house. So yeah, I love nice the fact if you if you run the numbers correctly, let's say you do have a credit line of sixty thousand, and and you know twenty percent or twenty five percent of a two hundred and forty thousand dollar multifamily home, uh, that's that's sixty thousand dollars. Um, people think, well, you know, they might not consider the fact that, well, that's costing me money. You know, who's going to pay for that? If I, yeah, sure, I can just go buy a house, and then what happens? Well, you're, regardless of the interest rate, of course, it does have to factor uh, in some portion of your cash flow. But your tenants are paying that back. Every dollar that's placed back into the HELOC is a dollar you can now borrow from again. Mm-hmm. So have your tenants pay off your HELOC. Uh, use debt to you basically use debt to uh, you know put the down payment down. The tenants pay your HELOC back, and then you just rinse and repeat. Once it's completely paid off or halfway paid off or whatever the case, you go into it again, yep. and your tenants pay back that HELOC. And now you're starting to accrue these properties over time. Of course, I know there's risk involved and stuff like that, but do due diligence and, and consider all the all the things. But um, how much money are you usually are are you really saving? You know, it's basically just leverage. You're using leverage to buy properties and put these down payments on and, and have somebody else pay them back. And at the end of the day, you have 20% or 25 or 30%. And as life goes on, um, the tenants continue to pay down your, your mortgages and that HELOC is still there available to use. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the cheapest forms of money out there. Mm-hmm. You don't get an origination fee every time you use it. Right. And you don't have to have permission every time you use it. Yep. You just go get it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, um, <clears throat> let's let's talk about insurance a little bit. Okay. Um, so you work with uh, Country Financial. Yep. And um, 
you are able to help people out with uh, auto life. Mm-hmm. Um, what commercial. Kind of commercial. Yeah, so I'll do my little speech. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah tell so- me. And and by the way, I I asked David to be here. I did not. Uh, he did not ask me. Um, That's true. This is and not I, paid. I've already been using his company before I ever met David, so I know how great their rates are. And I, mm-hmm. I have, uh, I think, eight different properties with, with you guys on okay. them. Sure. And all my auto and all that stuff. And the, um, it's funny. Nobody here locally can touch the rates. I don't know sure. why. But yeah, ahead. so so we're in 19 states. Country Financial uh, is in 19 states. Um, we uh, Idaho is our newest state. That's why you're experiencing a lot of that um, reduction in pricing and stuff like that because we are relatively new. We haven't had an extensive claims history here uh, to refill the coffers. Um, um, that's kind of the world of insurance, you know, when a big claim comes through, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, yada yada, um, they have to refill their coffers to pay out for these claims, so um, hence the rates fluctuate yeah. uh, through time with every company. Um, but uh, yeah, I can handle uh, auto insurance, renter's insurance, um, life insurance, which is a huge one, especially when we're talking about real estate um, and wealth management, asset protection, those kinds of things. There's a husband and wife, you know, who are trying to buy rentals over time and and either to supplement or be their retirement or pay for their kids' college tuition or, or whatever the case. Life insurance is a, v- a very good hedge against the worst thing happening, which is interrupting that path. Let's say you buy a couple properties and husband and wife are doing very well and then husband um, passes away, you know, unexpectedly. Wife is left with these existing mortgages. They might be paid for by the tenants, but it, it really does interrupt her path of the next 20 or 30 years, maybe, of mm-hmm. where she thought her life was going to go. Um, so it's sad enough to lose a loved one, but it's now really sad to lose your financial stability if, if that that's what he was providing. Or it could be the roles could be reversed. You have small kids at home, and now mom used to take care of them while dad worked, and, and now... And now dad is responsible for finding full-time nanny or daycare or, or, or whatever the case and, and um, using a lot more of his time to accomplish those tasks. Again, I'm not saying life insurance fix everything but because losing a loved one is uh, tragedy, terrible, uh, but it can, it can help soften the blow if, if you don't have to you know, start selling assets to, to continue living the lifestyle you planned, now, um, that kind of thing. Could, could life insurance be used outside the family? Like let's say you go into business with somebody. Sure. Um, and you guys are equally working on a business together, and you know you're in it for the long run. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if one of you guys died, the mm-hmm. business would basically be destroyed. Yeah. Um, could could each person get a life insurance policy on sure. the other person to kind of help absorb some of those losses in production if, if one of them were to pass away? Is that even possible? Yeah, it's called key man insurance. Actually, there's a name for it. Okay. Um, so key person or key man insurance. Um, um, it's basically business continuation plans too are wrapped up in there. So let's say two. Is that know, we expensive? See, we see it all the time. It's the same. It's okay. the same. I mean, it's all de- dependent on your health and how much coverage you want. You know, do you want a half a million dollars or do you need three million dollars? It really depends on what the income uh, from the business, what 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 portion of that person being there working for that company or being a partner, uh, what kind of income are they bringing in and what is it gonna cost to replace that person or buy them out. The yeah. important thing uh, out there for key person, let's say you have two, um, two people in real estate or, or let's say two dentists and two dentists, uh, let's say they're both male and just for uh, example purposes, they're both male, they're both married. Two mm-hmm. dentists form a business together, you know, toothache LLC or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
let's say one dent, you know, they're doing fine five years down the road, one dentist, the dentist passes away. Well, the wife to the person who passed away, um, uh, chances are they're, they're, they're now the owner. They're that person, that partnership, they are named owner now, or they have the deciding factor. Well, what if dentist one doesn't want to deal or doesn't know how to deal uh, with the other dentist's wife? He now has to go into business negotiations, advertising, marketing, um, you know, payroll. All these decisions have to be made with the wife who maybe didn't even have anything to do with the dentist operation or has no idea, um, that kind of thing. A uh, key person is basically to buy that person's share out. Okay. So that person now is, is um, you know, has their full stake in what the company was worth and she can move on, she, she can stay involved in the business if she wants, but she doesn't have a voting right. Um, and that could happen, I think there's the three Ds, I'm forgetting the third one, but death, drugs, divorce, that's the third one. Um, it changes the dynamics of a partnership and, and that's where a key person can really come in. Um, same with real estate, if you go into partnership and you buy a 30 unit apartment building with a partner because they're a huge cash investor, do you wanna, you know, you're used to dealing with that partner, but if that, something happens to them, Let's say they have an alcohol abuse issue and, and, and whatever the case, they pass away or, or whatever the case, um, you might not work, want to work with their spouse, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a very, anyway, so key person is, is set up for that, um, if okay. that answers your question. But other things we do, uh, Nick, or commercial insurance, we are extremely competitive when it comes to um, uh, apartment buildings, uh, flips, uh, vacant uh, houses under renovation, uh, those kinds of things in Washington and in Idaho. Um, so I'd encourage you guys out there that are dealing with that um, uh, to look me up. Uh, I can help you with all that kind of stuff. I really like the commercial side. Mostly I like it um, because I work with other entrepreneurs. I understand them. I understand capitalism. Yeah. I understand drive, motivation, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and Because I, I live in that world and I just really enjoy it because I think very much like um, you do. So. For the, for the newer investors out there that maybe are, they want to go into house flipping. Sure. Um, and they want to do their due diligence and their, you know, but most newer house flippers are, um, they just ha they just don't know. If they haven't had experience, they don't know what everything's going to cost. Sure. Could you give someone a rough idea what the insurance might cost on a house flip if, if they're in and out in six months? Sure. Um, on just the average house or the average policy that you give some uh, house It's flipping. very tough to do averages. So to get into the insurance <laughs> world, okay. um, insurance is based on a number of factors. One being um, uh, claims history. Have they made? A, have they had a house claim? Okay, before? so this depends on them too. It yeah. does. It okay. does. It depends on the LLC buying it. Do they have a history or the person managing the LLC or if an individual is buying it in their name? Do they have yep. claims? That kind of thing. Number two, it's going to depend on what its relation to a fire station is. If it's 50 miles outside of town uh, where there's no hydrant, there's you know fire protection code 10 or 9, it's going to be extremely expensive, no matter who you go with. Mm -hmm. um, because if that, you know, fires take down buildings in minutes, right? Minutes matter. Seconds matter. So if you live right next to the fire station, aka, it's going to be very cheap yeah. versus living very outside of town. Um, other things, you know, type of build. Is it built out of brick? Is it built out of, you know, wood frame? You know, those kinds of things are taken into consideration square footage is it by level is it two level is it a single story with a basement is you know how big is the garage all that kind of stuff um, goes into it too so I wouldn't say that it's you know a boilerplate number um, out there it really depends on the structure 
okay. uh, what it costs. Well, if to somebody if somebody has a real good idea what it would cost on, on their personal house for insurance, and if it was the exact same house that they were flipping, sure. Could the, is there a certain percentage it's higher probably, typically is it's probably, than the average policy? Yeah, it's probably at least double. Almost double. It's, okay. It's at least double. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so if you have a $750, you know, annual premium for a house, you're looking at, you know, probably 1500 if not more. And then um, for is some flip. of that refundable if they're done in six totally, months? Totally. Absolutely. Okay. So, so that's how I like to pitch it too. So sometimes at closing... Uh, full, you know, escrow wants or the lender wants the full year's worth of insurance. They do, yeah. If that happens, then that's fine. If you sell that house in six months, then great. We're going to refund you the remaining six months. Uh, some people are doing all cash purchases for flips. Um, I like to set them up uh, on, you know, there's there's semi-annual, there's quarterly, and there's uh, a monthly EFT draw. So if, if, you know, home insurance, let's say, is, you know, um, 2400 a year, it's 200 bucks a month. Which is expensive. That's expensive home yeah, insurance. Yeah, it's pretty. But this is like flipped flip insurance. Policy. This is flipped, and I'll explain why the cost is what it is in a second. But um, somebody could set up to just have an AMP or automatic monthly payment or EFT withdrawal, two hundred bucks a month, and they're going to have the policy for six months. So figure out the math. It's going to cost me twelve hundred bucks, basically, mm-hmm. to insure this house for six months. So figure that in when you're going, uh, when you're fi- figuring out your ARV and, and, and your, your ARV and how much you're going to be able to sell this. What's your profit? Take out 1200 for insurance, um, that that's what it's gonna cost you to insure for six months. The reason flipped insurance, some of you might, you know, you might be wondering, um, vacant property is interesting. So uh, we don't know if a construction company is coming in there to work on the project for four weeks straight. If you are, you know, Joe Schmo's gonna go in there on his weekends and evenings um, to work on the property. When a property sits and nobody's living in it, especially overnight, um, what happens if Joe Schmo is working on it throughout the weekend and he leaves on Sunday? He's not going to be back into that property, let's say, till the next weekend. But there's a water leak Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Nobody's yeah. going into that property. It's going to destroy. It's going to leak big for five, four or five yeah. days straight. And we're, you know, we're aware of that. The insurance companies are aware of that. Um, but there's a lot more risk associated. What happens if somebody, you know, gets bogged down at work or for family life? They bought this, you know, cash purchase, so it's not really charging them every month to hold on to this property. And what if they're getting in there once a month mm-hmm. to, to do these kind of products? Same thing can happen. There's also things like vandalism and theft. Somebody could come in and rip the, the copper out of the walls. They could, you know, they could, you know, uh, drug paraphernalia. They could be they could be house squatting. They could destroy rodents. Could destroy the property. You know, all these kinds of things can happen when you when you have a house that nobody's living in. So, anyway, so those are some of the reasons that yeah, flipped insurance or vacant property under renovation is just more much more expensive. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're much more likely to make a claim on a house that you're flipping than one that you're living in that you can maintain regularly. Hence, why the premium is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be the same thing as if you are insuring somebody on their auto insurance, and you have you know, uh, Joe has no tickets, uh, no accidents. And is you know a, just a solid bill pay history that kind of thing. Their premium is you know X amount, and then you have uh, uh, you know Susie who's got two DUIs and uh, and an accident on her record. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fair that she pay more? Yeah. Of course it would. She's at risk. The company you know based on her track record, she is more likely to get into an accident or have another DUI or whatever than you know uh, the first guy. So. Yeah. Um, so, um, so let's say, let's say I'm a house flipper. Um, I am. 
I'll give you an example. Right. <laughs> I've heard your story. And I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy this house. I, I let my insurance agent know, hey, we, we need a, pulse, a, a binder sent to my private money lender. There's this house that we're going to flip. Might be done in six months or something like that. Um, all good. Everything's good. I get premium estimate back. Yeah, it should be like 400 bucks for the year. Should I be worried? Um, if it was a flipped house and it's $400 a year? Yeah. Yeah, I would be worried. It's probably not the right policy. Probably not the right policy at all. Let's say my insurance agent contacts me a month later. Hey, hey, could you get me um, some... My, my ins- our provider doesn't like uh, like the stat- the the shape that the house is in. Do you have uh-huh. any better photos? Any better angles? Sure. Um, that <laughs> is that is that a clue that maybe you don't have the right policy? Uh, it could be a clue that you don't have the right policy, yes. Has that ever happened to anybody out there? Pause. No, I'm yeah. going to pause. Um, one of the but no, it's something I, I, I think this happens to a lot of people and they don't understand that um, their insurance agent maybe not know to what extent does this flip property because they can put an insurance policy on something right away. Sure. And then your your insurance company won't probably catch on for a month or so. Right. And they don't realize, oh, like this is a house that needs renovation. It's vacant. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we didn't get that. Yeah, some <laughs> of them, every company has their own um, guidelines and rules, that kind of thing. I've seen some just crazy policies, and I won't name names, but uh, some people with regular homeowner's insurance will get declined, you know, uh, homeowners insurance because there's peeling paint on the siding in yeah. a small area. Just crazy stuff like that. Um, my, my company doesn't care about that stuff. Not to say that um, we wouldn't fix the issue if the, the house burned down. Of course, you're getting a new paint job and all that kind of stuff. But there's some real um, sticklers out there that, that um, pay attention to some stuff that's really not all that important uh, in my view. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, so, um, where, so where do you spend? Do you spend most of your time dealing with insurance? Then, yeah. Or are you involved in any other um, businesses? Because um, it sounds like you, you had your hands full there for a while. So insurance uh, is a big part of my life now. Um, I've been doing it three years now, and um, give you a little background too. Uh, my dad actually worked for an insurance company here in Idaho, in Boise, oh, okay. for eleven years while I grew up. Um, so I kind of was in that world and saw what he was doing, and ever since I graduated college in 2010, he kept pushing me, pushing me to go into it, and I've I've done very well at it. Um, since I finally said, "Okay, Dad, finally, you know, you're right," I should have mm-hmm. said that a long time ago. But um, yeah, as far as other businesses go, um, this does keep me fairly busy. I really do like the networking aspect of it, um, and and just being able to deal with other entrepreneurs and shed light on. Um, I very much have the uh, leadership role of, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, I'm not going to tell you to do the Dave Ramsey thing. I'm not going to tell you what property to buy. I'm just going to show you what I did. Yeah. And then you can choose to follow that or you can do your own thing. It's totally cool. As long as you're doing something, um, I can only speak about what I've done. Right. So, um, so as far as other businesses go, uh, I'm not really doing anything other than, you know, what I'm doing, uh, in my insurance world. Um, and then real estate investing and, and trying to look at different um, aspects. I did do a, a hard money loan uh, last August, uh, How'd which that go? was my first one. Uh, it went well. Um, I, I got paid back, and it was nerve-wracking. Um, second time <laughs> around, I'll probably do – I didn't use a lawyer. I, 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 there's plenty of things that I could have do, 
done to further protect myself, but I knew these individuals and, and, uh, and I won't get into too much other detail, but it ended up working out great. Um, nice. so I would be interested in, you know, there's, there's just so much stinking, uh, creative ways to make money in real estate. You could even loan money or partnerships or, um, you know, they'll do the buy and holds, the flips, the wholesaling, uh, owner finance. There's, a, there's just so much. Um, the key is, the key is to do something. Um, there's a, a number of people that I've found out there that um, have, uh, what's the phrase, um, paralysis by analysis. They do so much studying and so much listening to bigger pockets and so much listening and, and uh, to other individuals that they end up doing nothing. Yep, I got stuck in that. Because, and, and, and it's, it's information overload. And some people think, you know, that we're, we're constantly pushed with do your due diligence, make the right decision, you know, and nobody cares about your business more than you do. So it's your money. You're holding on to it tight and you don't want to screw up. I get that. I totally get that. But what are you, what opportunities are you missing out on by not taking that leap of faith, if you will, and trying something, finally just doing it and uh, just know when you do do that, it's okay to get your knee scraped. Yeah. You're going to mess up. You're gonna do it, and that's part of the learning process. That's how we learn to walk. That's how we learn to drive. That's how we learn to do so many things is by making mistakes and learning from them. Yeah. So, and, pe it, and people may not like to hear this, but I like traditional education of uh, reading and lecturing and uh, listening to audio and the podcasts, it's the worst form of education as far as retention in your brain goes. Mm -hmm. The way people learn and retain information is by doing. Exactly. And you, you got to go out there and do a deal in order to give you the, the confidence to know what to anticipate for the next one. Because mm -hmm. um, most people get stuck, like you say, in analysis paralysis or whatever mm -hmm. they call it. I, I'm not good at pronouncing words. That's okay. So I'm going to skip over it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I got there too because they just don't have enough confidence to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And in real estate, investing you have to make decisions you have to make them quickly mm -hmm. if you want to get a great deal in real estate great deals don't last long and you have to make decisions quickly mm -hmm. and in order to that you have to have the confidence to know am i making the right decision uh, a great way to get over that is just to know that anytime you're going to make an offer on a property you can make a contingent upon a due diligence period or, mm -hmm. and you're going to have seven to ten days whatever mm -hmm. you put in there to then do your analysis and mm -hmm. find out is this really worth moving forward but you gotta you gotta act and say yes here and there, and say yes I'm gonna do this and sign, and then do your due diligence. If it looks good up front, sign the contract, and then get going. You can always back out. One example I like to use all the time, Nick, is uh, um, the amount of research and studying. Um, and there may be a book like this. I doubt there is, but there might be. Um, what if somebody said, you know, let's say you had never ridden a bike before, mm -hmm. like a bicycle, not a yeah. motorcycle, but a bicycle. And you read a book on how to read a bicycle. And how you did all this bicycle, reaching. Yeah. yeah, how to ride a bicycle. And, but you've never been on one. There's no, no amount of information, in my opinion, that you can read to give you what it actually feels like to ride a bike. Right? You're talking about you know, speed, wind in your face, mm -hmm. um, how much pressure to apply to the brake, how, you know, how to pedal, how to stay up. How do you describe in a book what it feels like to balance on a bike? How do you put that into words? So you can study endlessly on what it's going to feel like and what it's going to uh, look like and and how you're going to you know stay safe on a bike. But until you get on the stupid bike, you're not going to learn. Yeah. And with investing, I mean, it, it's not so much using all your senses 
but um, having the right people surrounded, uh, uh, surrounded around you. Sure. The right team. Because they're going to help you with all your due diligence as well. Mm-hmm. They're going to help you make decisions. You just mm-hmm. have to say yes here and there. Sure. And, and know that it's okay to back out within a certain time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you're, you can read Rich Dad, Poor Dad mm-hmm. a thousand times. Our lights just went out. Yeah, it did. Way to go. It feels like the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there there we go. <laughs> um, Reapply the paper. Yeah. yeah. But I got, I got stuck in that for years. Yeah. Um, I remember I even did the, I signed up for a $20,000 seminar back when I was 20 years old. Okay. Uh, recently paid off that debt a few years ago. Okay. But yeah. I mean, it took like 10 years. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it. I didn't, I didn't know how much I didn't know until I actually started real estate. And mm-hmm. then I actually started, I'm like, oh yeah, none of that education meant anything. It was just, it just kind of gave me an idea of, the, the biggest thing I ever learned in the education classes was just the 70% rule. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that stuck with me and it's the only thing that actually works. For the ARV that you're talking about? What, analyzing a property. Yeah. So 70% rule. Biggest thing I ever learned. It's what saved me. It's all you need to know to get started. It's it, If you're going to flip a house or buy a house as a rental, make sure you get it for 70% of its after repair value mm-hmm. minus whatever the repair costs are. Mm-hmm. The house fits that formula; it's most likely going to work. Sure. And that was the only thing I ever learned in seminars <laughs> that really meant anything. Sure. <laughs> it stuck. But well, well that's uh, um, it. That that was you learning. Yeah, um, that was me. It was a twenty thousand dollar <laughs> potentially mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe the, what you oh. did learn, you know. Well, that you... wasn't my only seminar. Oh, oh, I, I see. went to many. <laughs> okay, gotcha. All right, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> ton of seminars I mean thousands of hours of books sure um, you name it but this isn't about me I think the best <laughs> thing people can do if they are still uneasy just come alongside somebody who has a proven track record who has done it mm-hmm. uh, who has done flips if that's what you're into join somebody who's done flips um, split the profit with them or go into partnership with them the education you'd receive from that person um, it's going to be well worth you, you know, being greedy and making all the profit, but trying it on your own because you leave so much r- more room for risk and mistakes to be made. Uh, consider it tuition. Uh, if you, if you, you know, pay some guy, I don't know, you know, five thousand bucks, and he's going to walk you through your whole flip from beginning to end, and you give him half the deposit up front and half of it, you know, the other half when you get done, or whatever, whatever you want to design, um, uh, call it tuition. You know, yeah. real estate tuition. You don't have to go to college, you know, to do that. Um, but you're paying to learn. You don't even have and to you're do using that. Using somebody's time, and you don't even have to do that because there's you can work with uh, real estate agents and right. insurance agents that have done it before. Absolutely. And they can, uh, if you're using their services, they'll probably put you in the right direction to do more business in the future. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they get repeat business. They have skin in the game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to see their fellow man succeed too. Same with yeah. our money lenders. Right. I mean, they may charge big fees, but they're not going to do a loan unless the deal makes sense. Most of them, anyway. Right. And if it makes sense to them, it's probably a good deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming you're not putting too much money into it. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe you're just buying them a house. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so what else you got going on? Oh, boy. Well, uh, personal or business? Let's talk about your personal life. If you okay, know. personal 
personal life. Um, I'm uh, dating a wonderful gal. Uh-huh. She has two kids. Um, I don't have any kids, so that's been an eye opener for me. Instant family. Instant family. Yes. Yeah. How long? You, how long you been dating? Uh, six months. We've okay. been dating. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, kids are great. Seven and ten. A um, uh, lot to learn. Um, it reminds me of when I, I, I grew up with a brother too. I was the oldest, uh, younger brother and younger sister, and I uh, I forget what it's like to be a kid, and then I'm instantly reminded like, oh yeah, like, you know, uh, it's funny how children live in this uh, little world, you know. Yeah. They can only see like a certain amount of feet on each side, it seems like, and if anything interrupts that world, it's like the sky is falling or, or you know, they just get so excited about things. It's 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 pretty uh, neat experience, so. Um, yeah, instant family. Um, but yeah, I have a, I'm gunning for a big trip at work uh, this year, which it's so funny because so much of my career is probably meshed with your career. I don't tend to keep business and personal separate. It's kind of like it's what I do. Yeah. It's so much of what I do that not that it consumes me, but it's how I live. I'm an insurance professional, life insurance professional, um, professional entrepreneur, uh, capitalist, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so are you? Are you self-employed? I'm technically not. Okay. I will be in two years. Like, do you um, have anybody above you making you come in at certain hours? No, no. We're very, like fr- we're very freedom uh, oriented. I, I'm very independent. I, I am technically a W two employee plus commission, but um, okay. for another two years, then I'll be 10.99. But that's our company specifically set up like that. Um, they offer a salary for the first several years uh, plus commission, and then we we move into uh, pure 1099 and renewals. And um, if anybody wants to talk about uh, the insurance industry alone, who might be interested in that too, uh, great industry. Um, I've seen it from my dad's perspective, but I've also, the longevity of it, um, you know, people tend to pay uh, their home insurance and auto insurance, um, you know, every month or every year. Mm -hmm. And even if the economy is collapsing, the very last thing somebody wants to lose is their home. Well, yeah. in order to have a home loan, you have to insure the property. Mm-hmm. So th- I'm one of the last things to go, even in a down market. Um, so I'm not saying it's recession proof, but... Um, Pretty damn close. It's the one of the closest things you can be, other than you know bread and eggs, I'm sure. Um, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, anyways, the longevity of my career, uh, 10 to 15 years out, just with the massive amount of uh, clients that you take care of and, and service and, and work with and watch grow up and and get older and then they take care of their kids and, and all that kind of stuff it's very much like residual business in the real estate industry um, people what is the average what Nick what's the average um, time somebody spends in their home before they buy isn't it like seven years or so five to seven years five to seven years yeah so so if you do a good job and you stay in contact with that person they're probably going to use you again and they do you know every five years and mine just happens to be um, you know less commission but uh, uh, more often, uh, mm-hmm. renewals come every six months or every year, and we touch base. Hey, I bought a car. Hey, I sold a car. Hey, I'm buying a house. Oh, my son is now 16 and driving, and you just stay in contact with these people and and learn about them and grow with them, and you just be the advocate and coach for them. Insurance is a boring, boring world. My job is to basically not be as much of a salesperson. It's just to educate. There's yeah. such a lack of education. Uh, in the insurance industry, we're constantly bombarded by advertisements on TV and radio. You know, say 15% or more, um, discount double checks. The, it's all it's all related to price. Yeah. It's 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 trying to be commoditized as as far as 
you know, Chevron or Texaco. Oh, Chevron's 16 cents cheaper per gallon, so I'll just go there. Well, gasoline is very much the same. Insurance, in, in a lot of regards, is very similar, but the education behind what are you buying? Mm -hmm. I promise you right now, Nick, if you weren't already with our company and I was talking to you, I could tell you right straight to your face, I can, I can lower your uh, insurance cost per month. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could promise that right now. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm just going to start slashing what you have. I'm going to lower. I'm going to take coverages away. Look, we're cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the same thing. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it it's, should be so much less cost uh, basis, but people don't think about that. They th they hear free or less, and they that's what attracts them from the beginning. Um, but it's really an education on well, what assets do we have to protect? Nick said he had you know eight homes. Well, I don't know if they're at LLC or not. I don't know if they're in his name. I don't know. They're mixed. What what his position is on that? What if you have a lawsuit on one that's in your name? Is it going to cause you to to lose the money in your bank potentially and have to sell off these other homes that are within your name because the lawyer's really aggressive and and it's gonna go after your personal assets. I don't want any of that to happen. Very easy ways to improve upon those situations are to have the right amount of coverage. Then we talk about umbrella coverages and, and all those sorts of things. So um, it's so much of insurance is just price, 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 when really it's let's sit down or let's talk over the phone on what, what do you actually need? Yeah. Maybe, you're, maybe you're paying too much or too little because you have stuff that you don't actually need or you don't have enough. It really depends on I use this example too, like if, if, let's say cell phones weren't a popular thing, like cell phone, let's say it was an emerging market and somebody came to you and said, hey, this is, this little object is an iPhone uh, and it costs, it's going to, do you want this, Nick? You know, do, do, look at this, you, you haven't had time to play with it or anything. And, and you say, well, how much is it? And I say, it's $1,000. You go, $1,000 for a phone? Are you kidding me? Like, what, what do you mean? But then I give it to you mm -hmm. and then you're able to check your email on it. And you're able to, you know, use the camera and the video, and it shoots 4K, and it, yeah. it's got all these ringers and all, all of a sudden this, I don't need to all be this, at the office. All this text messaging, and now it's allowing wherever. you to work from home and work on the road, and and uh, you know, it's your alarm clock, it's your timer, it's it's all all these great things it offers you, and now you're like, yes, please, a thousand dollars, that's what I need. Like, mm -hmm. please take my money right now, because it's it's so, uh, it would help you so much. Insurance is very much like that. If I, you know, you have to um, be shown the benefits or the value in what you're buying, um, in order to, uh, you know, go through with that purchase and, and want to buy more or less insurance. Um, uh, one one example I use all the time. I don't. I believe it's the same for Idaho as it is uh, Washington. Um, do you know what Washington State requires uh, for you to drive in the state as far as liability coverage? Any yeah, idea what I have that no idea. is? Okay, I'll tell you. For, for uh, bodily injury liability, which means, Nick, if you hit me and you hurt me and I go to the hospital, um, what amount of coverage are you going to be paying for my medical injuries? It's $25,000 per person. That's what you have to drive with in Washington State. I believe it's the same for Idaho. It might be the same in Idaho. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't go very far. No. If you put me in the hospital, you're covering my injuries for no more than twenty-five grand. So if I end up in the hospital... So you got to be in and out of that emergency room in two hours. Right. To sure. stay under that. Sure. And <laughs> if it goes grand. over that... Where am, where am I getting my money? Well, my, my umbrella you, policy. Well, in, your, in your instance, yes, you do have an umbrella policy. But for the general person out there who might not know anything about insurance, they just got onto an app and they were like, click, click, click. Yeah, they I just want the, the lowest stuff rate. Because they, don't, they only want the lowest rate because they know the police, you know, police will uh, you know, ticket them if they don't have it. And maybe their loan company for their, their auto loan 
requires them to have full coverage insurance. Yeah. But they don't understand what they're buying and, and nobody's educating them. The other example I use is property damage liability. Do you know what the limit on that is? See, I'm already getting, I'm already boring no, people. Okay. No, this, but I'm trying this to is just, helping. This is trying people to educate. People need to know this stuff. Yeah. Um, now, uh, tell me, so this is bodily injury on, is, on like a rental or something like that? No, no, no. So I'm talking about property damage liability on your auto insurance. What does the state of Idaho and the state of Washington require that you hold in order to drive? Mm, I'm going to guess 100000 It's ten. Ten thousand. Okay. $10,000. So I like to use the example, let's just look out in the parking lot of what cars are around. So there is uh -huh. a... There, well, the Mercedes, we won't use the you know the red herring in the room, but so okay, there's a Subaru Outback right here. Uh -huh. There's an Outback. Okay, would you say that that's a fairly reasonable car to see in our area, Coeur d'Alene, Spokane? We see a lot of those. All, I see all one driving right there. Yeah. Do you know what that? <laughs> do you know what that car costs new? Thirty-five thousand. Perfect. Let's just use your example. So thirty-five thousand. So if I was driving around with ten thousand dollars property damage liability, because that's what the state says I, uh -huh. I need to drive and I hit and destroy that vehicle, my company, if I had that coverage, would pay out 10 grand towards th that property, and that vehicle, mm -hmm. and that's it. S but the cars were 35 grand. So who do you think pays the difference? Man. My mama. Yeah, maybe. Or my, or my dad. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. But people assume, yeah, they have car insurance, everything's covered. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what they assume, and, and, and it, they just and, want the cheapest. And it is covered, Nick. Yeah, it's up to ten thousand dollars. Right. Which is a joke. It's a complete joke. We see, you know, Ford F one fifty. I mean, how many cars are under ten grand on the uh, road? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Subaru Outbacks. You see, uh, you know, I'm not even talking about Mercedes, BMW, Tesla, um, mm -hmm. Land Rovers. Um, you know, a Tacoma's worth forty grand, thirty, thirty-two, forty grand, something there. You know what I mean? It's a joke. And now, now somebody who gets into that accident, a lot of times the people buying the cheapest insurance, they don't have money in the bank. They don't have $20,000 sitting around to pay out a lawsuit, yeah. you know, that they're being sued. Um, and, and so one of the easiest ways to mitigate that is just have property damage liability up to that $100,000 level or higher. And when I tell you that that price is two bucks more a month to go from 10,000 to 100,000, again, the iPhone example, they don't care. Yeah. If they, it costs they more. It. They just want it. They're like, yes, that's what I need. Mm -hmm. So so much of what I do is just trying to educate people yeah. on that process. And that's just one small example about auto insurance. That's what I kind of love that about my job as well. Like people, you know, we're both in sales, but we don't really have to sell our product. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to bring a buyer into a house and pitch them on everything in the house. They're going to love it or they won't. Sure. I just have to educate them on the market. What's going on? Hold their hand throughout the transaction process, help them in negotiating, but um, I don't have to. I don't have to sell anything. Right. People want houses or they don't. Sure. <laughs> and for the and, beautiful part and of I my love job, it. I, I just get to hang out and educate them and and do the best I can for them to get them. You know, if they're selling the house, get them the highest price or, totally. or get them the lowest price if if they're the buyer. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. And so much of my job is is I wouldn't like to say it's transactional, but. Um, Auto insurance is required by the state. Yeah. So you can buy it through some guy in a cubicle on the East Coast, or you can buy it from David Walker. He lives in, you know, Spokane Valley, and he'll help you, you know, uh, organize and, and educate you about all this stuff. So you kind of have the choice. But either way, you have to have it. Homeowners insurance. If you have a loan on your house, mm -hmm. you have to have it. So 
I can be that advocate for you um, to help you, you know, uh, pick and choose what you need, what you don't need, and and uh, also be a point of contact, the same point of contact. I'm going to know, you know, your cars, your house, and then we're going to talk about life insurance because if you're, you know, uh, a young couple just graduated from college, um, kids are on the way, or, or you already have them, or they're coming soon, and now you have a, you just purchased a house together, you both are on the loan. What happens if something happens to the wife? Or, or the husband. Now, now, now the other party has to come up with the mortgage payment every month. And a funeral. And a funeral. And mm-hmm. any kind of uh, consumer debt that they might have had together. Or uh, and time off work. Time off to work grieve. to mourn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all the all things that? we're trying to look at. The, we do comprehensive planning, so we're trying to look at everything. I know this is real estate investing uh, centric, but um, I can do it all. Yeah. What I'm saying. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way? Uh, best way is uh, phone or email. Um, so my uh, you give that can up? I put my cell phone number on here? Why That's, not? If you want to. Okay, five zero nine, eight five zero, two nine three seven, or you can email me at david. Walker, at countryfinancial.com. Sweet. I'm happy to help. Thanks awesome. for thanks for having me here, Nick. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. It's awesome, man. Thank you. I like what you're doing. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.